the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. It's the Dennis and Julie podcast. Dennis Prager and Julie Hartman. It's not a likely podcast. Julie, is that fair to say? I wonder Very they, fair. I, yeah. I wonder, I, I'm sure there's nothing like it in, in the country. The age difference, uh, opposite sex, uh, it's, uh, it's very special. And I'm delighted to do it every week uh, with Julie, everybody. And I welcome you, and I strongly recommend that you share these Dennis and Julie podcasts, especially with young people. So I know you have a few things on your mind, Julie, but I, I had something spontaneously enter my brain just before we went on when Sean said he loves us both. <laughs> that was very sweet. It was very sweet. Sean is occasionally quite sweet. So I uh, <laughs> I was thinking... Do do you get any uh, feedback from peers like what are you doing or what is this like or I I'm just curious cuz it's so it's so different do, do you any you know people your age comment to you Oh absolutely I get that a lot and you know for how woke and liberal Harvard is, I really do have a lot of people coming up to me and saying that they admire me for what I'm doing, even if they disagree with me. And I, especially because we're entering our final three weeks of college, I've had people say to me, how have you found the courage to do this so publicly? And how have you found the courage to do what you really want to do? Dennis, we've talked about this a lot off the air, but also on this podcast that I've noticed at a place like Harvard, there's a lot of pressure to follow the prescribed path and for people to go to where they think is going to impress their parents or their peers or just the people around them. As I've mentioned, a lot of my friends are going into finance. And I think that all of us are sort of having an, oh my God, we're about to launch into the real world moment. And so I've noticed that a lot more people have been coming to me and asking me how I have found the courage. And what I say to them is, I don't want to have a miserable life. I mean, it's not exactly a, a, a pearl of wisdom that I'm offering here, but as corny well, as it sounds, it, it, you it, only live once. Well, it is a pearl of wisdom because people think courage will ruin their lives. Otherwise, they'd be courageous. Right. So you, you have completely turned the tables on, on people's thinking. The only reason people aren't courageous is because they're afraid of the consequences of, that courage will bring. Oh, you speak out, you'll be you'll be 
you know, you're, you're the nail that sticks out and the hammer will hit you back or hit you down, bang you down. There's some Japanese phrase to that way that, you know, the nail that sticks out gets gets banged down. So they, there's a lot of conformity in, in uh, Asian cultures because of that view. But your desire to be a happier human and therefore you have had courage is entirely accurate and entirely counterintuitive. Well, you know, I think if I had to distill the secret to life into one sentence, it would be know who you are and live accordingly. And I know that I have this in me. I know that I'm, I have conservative beliefs. I know that I cannot stay silent when I notice things around me that don't seem right. And I'm not going to suppress that part of me because I'm afraid of the opinions of others. This is what I say to my peers all the time. They, they say, oh my gosh, it must be so hard because you know, you're outwardly conservative and you must have lost friends. And I said, yeah, you're right. I have lost friends and that's been painful. But in the long run, it actually has been the best thing that could have happened to me because it is weeded out the people in my life who don't need to be in it. By the way, is that a word, weeded out? <laughs> I don't really think it is. Well, I, that's <laughs> funny. I don't well, I don't know why it wouldn't be. You don't weed in. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 I'm a big stickler. By the way, talking about that this is apropos of nothing, but I am. I thought of it because I said I'm a big stickler, stickler for English correctness. The Wall Street Journal had an editorial last week and it said understated when they meant overstated. Oh, really? Yeah, and it, it, it actually bugged me because that's the Wall Street Journal. They said something, oh, it cannot be understated. They meant overstated. I don't think people know the difference between overstated and understated. Probably not. Oh, by the way, I got you on one. I forgot to tell you. you I know. You, you look, you speak magnificently. That's it, the only reason I feel even free to say this. Everybody knows that. You said this one now, it shows me, the fact that you said this shows me how the mistake has gotten into normative speech in regards to Regards is give my regards to your parents mm. if you see them. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You know, another one that you... Oh, actually, I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. One of them emailed me. I cannot remember his name. I apologize. But he said that when I'm um, when I'm publicizing my website, I say that it's julie-hartman.com. And he said, actually, you should hyphen. say it's julie-hartman.com. Oh, that's good. That I didn't even catch that. <laughs> I know. So keep them coming. Listen. By the way, Julie, now you know this is a serious point. Well, the others were semi-serious. But the, uh, the serious point is how much I have learned from listeners over these decades. Do you know there's, you'll love this. Did you ever hear of the term collective wisdom? No. Okay. It, it's a term, collective wisdom, that... There is more wisdom in a large group than in any given individual. And I know that to be true because I know how much I've learned from, you know, my, my relatively large audience. You know, millions of people is a large audience. Okay. So listen to this. This will blow your mind. I think the experiment was done with jelly beans 
it's a sort of proverbial thing. How many jelly beans are in a jar? So they, they asked a whole bunch of people to give the number. Nobody got it precisely, but the average of all the answers was the closest to the actual number. Oh, really? Isn't that mind-blowing? It is. That's a great piece of evidence for what you're yes, saying. Yes, exactly. No, so, you're so right, Dennis. It, it, even just the people that have written into me when I um, when I am on your show, you know, on the radio or just through this podcast, or when I, I went on to Carl Jackson's show the other day, and they will recommend books, or they'll say, "Hey, you know, this point could have been improved if you brought up this example." You're so right. It is something that I didn't really know would come with this job, and I'm delighted that it has. Yeah, it's a big deal. So now let's move to some of the issues on your mind uh, at uh, at Harvard itself. Well, the one I have has been in the news a lot in the past week. I think it was just launched a week ago today, and it's Harvard's Legacy of Slavery Initiative. For those who are unaware, Harvard just published a 134-page report investigating its ties to slavery, and it tragically found that Harvard faculty and staff enslaved 70 individuals. But what it's doing, this Legacy of Slavery Initiative, is it's pledging $100 million to redress the wrongs of slavery in in some of the um, ways that they're funneling this money, they claim, is to um, trace the modern-day descendants of slaves. They want to build more um, memorials and bring more curriculum Uh, to our school that's centered around slavery and race. They want to create exchange programs between Harvard and historically black colleges and universities. And they also said that they'll send that money towards improving schools in the American South and West Indies. And there's an an entire website, Dennis, dedicated to this initiative. In fact, there are... What's the name? What is the name of the website? It's called, I believe it's just the Legacy of Slavery at harvard.com or legacyofslavery.harvard.edu, I actually think is what it is. And they have a video, about a 25-minute long video, which we have to discuss, Dennis. I'm sorry to say it. It is a total propaganda film. And they have discussion questions for the video and for the report. So before I get into my strong opinions about this, I'm wondering, Dennis, what are your initial reactions? Well, let me suppress some of the language that has entered my mind. I just want, <laughs> I, I looked it up while you were talking, Harvard and the Legacy of Slavery. Harvard and the Legacy of Slavery Initiative, an introduction from President Larry Bacow. Is that is that the president of Harvard? Yes. Larry Bacow? I, I had no mm-hmm. idea. Wh- who is he? I believe he was the president of Tufts University before he came here. And I think he's the first Jewish president of Harvard. Well, let me say as a Jew, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference to me. This, I'm going to go back to slavery in Harvard in a moment. What I just said, though, is pregnant with importance. It doesn't sound it, but it is. I don't give a damn whenever I hear the first Jew X, Y, or Z. Uh, It it means nothing to me. I I think we have gone out of our minds on this issue. 
the first black woman on the Supreme Court. So I always, I've asked my whole life, what difference does that make in the life of 99% of black women? Will they have a happier life? Will it help in any domestic problem, any, any, any mental issue, any emotional issue? Will it, what, what will it do? Will it, will it so fill black women with pride that it will it will just give them a, a, you know a boost in their step as they go through life? Asians have the fewest politicians in high power. They're the most successful ethnic group in the United States. There is no correlation between the success of individuals of a group and the success of the group. Zero correlation. It, it, it is, it, it's a gigantic falsehood. And, and so, you know, will the, if there's a Jew who will become the president of the University of Alabama, and it will be the first, <laughs> will it affect the Prager home? <laughs> no. Well, you, you're absolutely right. I have to tell you, Dennis, this really funny thing. So I'm on Instagram. I actually, the other day, just as an aside, deleted Instagram because I think that social media is just so toxic and anyways i digress so i've gotten rid of that but i have been on instagram for some time now and i remember seeing all of these posts it's really proliferated in the past year or two where people are going oh this is the first woman this is the first black woman this is the first and it has gotten to so minute dennis that people will post when it is the first woman who was born in Kentucky, who eats a Hershey bar every morning, who right. has three right. brothers, and she's the first one to, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. purchase. So Colgate toothpaste at CVS. <laughs> That's it's right. Crazy. You you will love the, this. So at my bar mitzvah, I got you know, obviously a whole bunch of gifts. One of the gifts. In fact, ironically, one of the only ones I remember because of this. One of the gifts was a book titled Great Jews in Sports. So one of the things I remember was it was pretty thin. Number two, big print. Number three, big pictures. Jews, there are some great Jews in (laughs) sports, but in sports, Jews don't comprise a very large section in the ethnic groups of sport greats. Okay. But I remember this is, and this shows you how some, I think most people, but I'm not sure. Certainly I could say I was me at 13. My reaction was, what the hell do I care? I remember that vividly. And I came from a religious, active Jewish home. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't, a marginal Jew. It was it was the, the the fabric of my life, but I remember thinking. So I remember one of the pages was a boxer. He was a lightweight champion, Benny Leonard, and I have only respect for Benny Leonard's achievement. But I couldn't care less that there was a Jewish lightweight boxing champion. What difference did it make? <laughs> and and no. so isn't that interesting that even at thirteen, this stuff didn't didn't do anything for me. I mean, we're getting so far off topic, but I love it. I think it's great. It doesn't shock me, Dennis. And I I really, you, you actually told me this point and I've been reflecting on it so much lately. I think people really do have natures. 
it doesn't shock me that you had that wisdom at such a young age. Frankly, even though I say that I only recently became a conservative, I think maybe the more accurate thing to say is that I more recently sort of like had the terminology of conservatism to assign the beliefs that I had. I've always had right, the wisdom right. that I have now. I, I believe that. I believe that. Mm-hmm. But but the clarity is what you got later. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that that's very fair. I, I love that subject of natures. Anyway, I love the digressions. I do that all the time in speeches, and then it's I go fun. back. Yeah, it's fun and it's real. That's how people speak. Right. As you all know, I'm a college student, and you can imagine the types of odors that linger in a dorm room. An Eden air purifier should be mandatory for any college student. With proven Oxy technology, it quickly destroys viruses, odors, mold, and more. Get rid of any odor from litter boxes, trash cans, cigarette smoke, dirty diapers, rotten food, laundry, and more. Best of all, you don't have to buy any filters, and it comes with a six-foot USB cord. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in my personal discount code, Julie3, to save $200. That's EdenPureDeals.com with the discount code, Julie3. And again, shipping is free. But back to Harvard and slavery. So I'm not quite clear. There were Harvard faculty, 65 members, as I think you said, who had slaves, obviously in the 19th century. They were, sorry, just to interrupt you, just to correct, they said that they they didn't specify the number of faculty, but they said that between them, 70 slaves. 70 slaves. Oh, 70 slaves, uh, not slave owners, right. 70, probably much fewer slave owners, because many had uh, more than one. Okay. What on God's earth does that have to do with Harvard and blacks today? I know. No, no, I, 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 I'm I, <laughs> sorry. I, I love, I well, love, well, you know what? I maybe. love the way you responded. <laughs> nothing. It's exactly I'm right. Sorry. Nothing. <laughs> Don't make me laugh, Dennis. I have a cough. <laughs> right. I know. It's a problem. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry to the listeners. This is real. My cough. Enjoy. Right. Everything about this is real. Yeah. No, I, I want to analyze it. Uh, obviously, it was partially a rhetorical question, but what would they answer? I don't understand. So, in the course of all of Harvard's history, and Harvard goes back to the 18th century, so... It's one of the first 17th. colleges. Yeah, 17th. does that right? It was in the 1600s? Yeah, 1636, I think. That's astonishing. I don't even know anything was happening then. Okay, be, <laughs> be that as it may, fine. So Harvard goes back all that time, and in the entire time, it had 70 slaves. It, I mean, members of the faculty or whomever, or administration. So I'm, not, I'm still not understanding... What is their argument? We owe the descendants of those slaves or all blacks? What, what, what is their thinking? I don't know, Dennis. That's very interesting. They never really specified what their goal is or what their thinking here is. They The opening of the video that I mentioned, again, there's so much to unpack in that video, but they, they talk about how... Um, 
Harvard is seen as this perfect place in this ivory tower, the best of the best. And yet there's an ugly history hidden in the walls. And we must, you know, confront this history. I guess that's the closest I can get to what their goal is. I don't know. It's this weird self-apology kind of thing. I mean, of course, there are probably descendants of slaves who go to the school and who have worked here. But I think another thing that confuses me is that Harvard and all of these universities have done a lot to, quote unquote, rectify the, the sin of slavery. Look at affirmative action. That How long has affirmative action been around? 60 years? 70 years? There are all of these courses that we have on slavery and, and race in the United States. They talked about wanting to put more, using the $100 million to put more plaques around campus. I think there are, I see plaques all the time when I'm walking to my classes that, you know, talk about or signify that a slave perhaps lived in that house. They have a lot of grant and fellowship opportunities that are specific specifically targeted for black students. I don't know, Dennis, I, I really, I think that they've done a lot and I really don't know what this is trying to get at. I think it's to my earlier point, I think it is a Maoist self-criticism session and there's a lot of um, superciliousness baked in here, even though they claim to say that, oh, we're Harvard and we're trying not to seem superciliousness. No, supercilious, excuse me. No, they're actually just trying to show how wonderful and woke they are. And that's why they have a 25-minute video. It's total propaganda. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm very curious. You should. I, I may play parts of it on my radio show. It is crazy. Uh, it, it's, it, it's all part of this fabric of I want to feel good about myself. Look, look at how moral I am. I mean, mm-hmm. frankly, uh, folks, uh, at, at a 100, let's see, 1865 slavery ended. So that's 35, 100, 100 and, 155 years ago. To say that you have a debt uh, to, uh, and, the, and the numbers affected was 70. I mean, that's the number I think you gave me. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, so I always, whenever I take a position, I always, always, this is a rule in my brain, I always put the shoes on, on my feet, or I take my shoes and put them on their feet, whichever it is. I try to walk in their shoes. So I'm thinking, uh, what? let's say a German university says, you know, uh, we fired... 70 Jews who were on our faculty in the 1930s because we we obeyed the Nazi regime. So we are going to, so I'm thinking, what would be appropriate? And by the way, obviously 1930 is 70 years more recent than slavery. But still, with all my passion about the Holocaust, I don't know what debt a German university has, let's see, 1935, that's 60, 85 years ago. What debt does it have to Jews collectively other than to teach the history, which of course should be done in any event? This is what we did during the Nazi era. Harvard should teach. This is what we did during slavery. All right, that, that's completely appropriate. By the way, if there were anti-slavery professors at, at Harvard, that should be taught as well, however. If there were anti-Nazi professors, 
at uh, at that German university that I just made up, offered as an example, that should be taught too. But I don't know what collective uh, debt that German university has to uh, to Jews. I, I can't think of any other than to teach the truth, and and that's right. it. Here's what's really going on here, in my view. They're trying to buy the silence of the woke people. By pledging $100 million and being so public about this whole initiative, in a way they're kind of saying, don't look at us, don't come after us, we've, we've done our part. Because if this were really about reparations, as they're claiming, they would give back the endowment and what the endowment has earned that was given by anyone connected to slavery, but they're not doing that. And... I also think what's going on here, and obviously we've stated that it's about them feeling good about themselves and proclaiming how um, moral and wonderful they are. This is also about sort of creating an entire industry for themselves. I recently just read a fabulous book by Heather McDonald called The Diversity Delusion. And it's about all of, I think in one chapter, she has this list. I should actually, I think it's on my bookshelf back here. I should bring it and pull it up. She has a list of all of the diversity, outreach, inclusion, do-nothing administrators, just so many of these people that have populated the universities in the past few decades. And what these universities keep doing is that they keep creating more and more of these positions and more and more of these departments, and they never get rid of any of them. And it's this, it's this woke industry that... I think is really harmful. I mean, a lot of, I mean, obviously slavery was a horrible thing. No one denies that. But to your point, Dennis, there are a lot of ethnic groups who have had horrible things happen to them. And they try to put those things behind them and move on because that's a healthy thing to do. It doesn't mean that you forget about what happened, but you have to move on. And what I really dislike about this world that we're living in and about this initiative that Harvard's undertaking is that slavery is being fetishized. It's being held onto um, and cultivated and curated in a way that is harming the very people that they are claiming to help. For example? Well, I think African Americans today, I think the amount that slavery and race and racism is talked about is not healthy. I think it gives them... It's not PC to say, but I think it gives this kind of victim complex that prevents them from reaching their fullest potential. Larry Elder talks about this a lot. In schools, if you are being told every day that this country is against you and that the history is against you and it it still lives on in the institutions, and by the way, where is the evidence for that? Of course, racism still exists, but where is the evidence that these deep biases are still held within our institutions? They point to the police. 12 unarmed blacks were killed by police in 2019. Of course, that number should be zero, but we don't live in a utopia. I don't think that 12 unarmed blacks being killed in one year by police is evidence that the police department is systemically racist. More police were killed by blacks than unarmed blacks were killed by police. But but nobody, nobody, to even raise the issue was to be accused of racism. Racism is now the term used for anything the left differs with. That's all it is. It, 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 it's, it's, meaning, it's meaningless. But your point is that you're right. Hi, this is Julie Hartman from the Dennis Prager and Julie podcast. And you know that I'm finishing my degree at Harvard right now. And I'm very proud of that accomplishment. 
but I want to tell you about the King's College in New York City. The combination of affordable tuition and remote learning makes this the perfect opportunity to earn your bachelor's degree wherever you are in life. The King's College will unlock your potential. Visit tkc.edu to find out how you can earn your Christian liberal arts degree online. Don't just go to college, go to King's. Again, I always try to tie in my own experience. If I can't think of a worse thing to have done to Jewish kids than even, and, and I, I was born right after the Holocaust, amazingly, when I think about it. Uh, but had I been raised in a family that said, you know, we're, we're Jews and, and the Goyim, the non-Jews, are out to get us. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would not have been the guy I am. Uh, the, the, I was raised by Jewish parents who obviously lived through, not in Europe, but they lived through the period of the Holocaust. And I was told implicitly and explicitly that this is the best place a Jew could live. And they were right. Then Israel was created, and then fine. So putting Israel aside, the best place. And 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 my father wrote a senior class thesis on anti-Semitism in America. There was plenty of it, and and Roosevelt's uh, administration was filled with it. And uh, this country didn't allow Jews in for, for in in any numbers. Sent a ship of Jews back to be slaughtered by the Nazis. The St. Louis. It's a terrible story. But nevertheless, it was a blessing to be a Jew here. It's a blessing to be a black here. What black leader says it's a blessing to be a black in America? One cannot name one. And if there is one, that person is definitionally conservative. And Larry Elder was... Go go on. No, sorry. I, I was just going to say the thing that really, really makes me upset... And, and I can't for the life of me, Dennis, I, I want to hear what your opinion is on this. I can't for the life of me understand why people aren't talking about it. If Harvard really cared about black people and really wanted to close the racial wealth gap in this country, they would have put out a statement a week or two ago when, the, when it was discovered that the founders of Black Lives Matter embezzled $6 million dollars of money that was promised to go to schools and bail funds. They took that money and they bought a mansion in Los Angeles. And yet Harvard University and all the, I'm not just trying to target Harvard, all the other universities, all of these woke people remain silent. There is a 75% father absence rate in the black community, a 75% out of wedlock rate in the black community. We know the impact of those statistics. President Obama, before he got really, really woke in 2013, gave a commencement address to Morehouse College. And he talked about how damaging it is to grow up in a home where the nuclear family is not intact. If Harvard University really wanted to help black people, they would be talking about that. If Harvard University really wanted to help black people, they would be talking about the teachers unions and how those need to be broken up. But of course, they're not going to be broken up because they're the number one contributor to Democratic campaigns. It is impossible to fire a teacher, nearly, I shouldn't say impossible, but it's nearly impossible to fire a teacher because of the teachers' unions. And what happens is that they go into these rubber rooms, as you know, and then they're funneled into the low-income, overwhelmingly black schools. And then those students do not get good teachers. 
It is right in front of us, the problems that are facing the black community. It's right in front of us. And the solutions are easy to talk about. And yet there is this cowardice, and Harvard is coming out and doing this film where they're trying to make themselves look good and they're claiming that they're doing it to help black people. Why are people not outraged about this? It's crazy. When you said earlier that it was uh, sort of to protect them from the woke community, I didn't want to interrupt you, but my first thought was the word vaccination. This mm. this initiative is a vaccination against the against woke attack. Hey, folks, look look. Uh, by the way, a hundred million dollars for Harvard is like a hundred dollars for me. It, it, right. It, 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 it is. It means nothing. Maybe even five dollars. I Maybe mean, they $5. have a thirty-nine billion dollar yes, endowment. Correct. Yes, that's right. So it's it's worthy, uh, if not now, given the time limitations. But I, as you get toward your graduation, and you know all this, so I'm curious what what your perspective on Harvard is. Uh, after all of this, maybe we'll we'll have this as sort of a trailer for one of the next one of the upcoming podcasts that we'll have. But I I am I am genuinely curious, and I'm curious if you'd meet parents who said to you, "Yes, uh, my my kids, my daughter, my son is in high school." And I'm just doing everything possible to make sure they get the best grades and the best extracurricular activity. I really, I would love them to go where you went, Julie, Harvard. I'd be very curious how you would react to them. Well, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about, not only as I'm about to graduate in three weeks, but also because we talk a lot about Harvard on this podcast, Dennis, and I've talked about it a lot on your radio show. And at times I've thought, am I being too hard on them? Because I do look back, I mean, I'm not, I was just about to say, I look back at my four years here. I look back at my two and a half years here. Of course, one and a half was lost due to COVID. And I have had, in many ways, a great experience here. First and foremost, I've met wonderful people. The friends I've made here will be my friends for life. I rave to you all the time about my roommates, Dennis. I have had wonderful classes. A highlight um, was studying under Harvey Mansfield, who's a conservative professor here in the government department. That's been wonderful. I have a really great dorm. So there have been many, many upsides. Oh, and by the way, I just went to Israel which was a Harvard Hillel funded experience. And you know how much that changed my life. So I am very aware of all of the benefits that I've gotten from going to this school. And I'm immensely grateful for them. And I will always be grateful to this university. That being said, though, it is very difficult to ignore some of the glaring problems here and the way that this school and this school is sort of the university. I mean, maybe that is doesn't sound so nice of me to say. Maybe that sounds self-impressed, but it's true. Everyone really talks about Harvard and right or wrong looks to Harvard as the most prestigious place. And the fact that they're putting out something like this and the fact that they are being so silent on all the issues that I mentioned, the fact that so many of my classes are woke, 
I, I don't think I've ever been in a class where any of my professors have talked about what makes America great and why America is an aberration in the best country in the world. It's hard for me to ignore that, Dennis. And so what I'm trying to do now is actually, I'm tr- I really am trying to make the university better. And obviously my, my focus is to try to make America better, but I hope people realize that when I'm criticizing this university, it comes from a place of knowing how lucky I am to have the opportunity to go here. And I want it to be the best place for its students and for this country. Did you happen to see the Wall Street Journal article about how it's it's even tougher for a white female to get into Harvard now? Than I any, did not, but yeah, I believe it. Than any other group, including white males. The truth has finally been exposed, 2,000 Mules, the explosive new movie from Dinesh D'Souza, exposes the evidence, it's quite powerful actually, about what happened in November of 2020. Witness for yourself the strategy roadmap of those who affected the presidential election. Thousands across the country are attending the nationwide theatrical release. Now you can also watch a special virtual event from the comfort of your own home on May 7th. Watch on any device with a web browser. Gather friends, family, and skeptics as well. But don't miss it. See the movie that President Trump calls a real blockbuster and participate in a live audience Q&A with Dinesh D'Souza, Eric Metaxas, Larry Elder, and others. Showtime begins 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on May 7th. The only way to get tickets to this event is to visit 2000mules.com. That's 2000mules.com, the number 2000 for this one-of-a-kind virtual event. Not available to buy at theaters. It's only at the number 2000mules.com, sponsored by Salem Media Group. It's fa- it's, it's, why, why more than white males? Oh, be- because the, the there, there are more uh, terrific applicants among females. I mean, the, and the ratio in almost every college is now mm-hmm. beyond 50-50 female-male. So there's almost uh, a, 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 a subtle affirmative action vis-a-vis white females for white males. It's a very strange world in, in which we live. That's another uh, interesting question. What's your thought of the males at Harvard? I can't wait to ask you that one. I'll wait till you graduate. Well, <laughs> uh, let me give you a little preview. No bueno. Well. Yeah. No bueno. No bueno. Do you, when, when you went to college, Dennis, do you think that the males were more manly and chivalrous then than now, or was it bad then too? It was bad, but it wasn't like today. It, it, uh, it was the first generation of bad, so there was still a residue uh, of, the, of the past. But uh, it, 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 it had already, the, the, the devolution had begun. As I have always said, the greatest generation, that's what the generation of World War II and the Depression is called. I think there are many great generations, but I'm certainly going to get, agree they were a great generation. They, they made a Greek tragedy error in the way they raised my generation. Not me. My father was old school. Uh, you, you earned respect in my family. You mm-hmm. earned your way through life. 
I mentioned on my show today. <laughs> I was talking about uh, how much time do we have, Sean? Okay, so I was talking. Oh, Julie, you'll love this. So I was. Uh, I'll end with this. I I was on a plane from Chicago to L.A. this weekend, and I sat next to this woman, twenty nine, young woman, Hispanic American, and. I knew within two minutes, incredibly, I'm sitting next to a kindred spirit. She, so I wasn't wearing a mask, and she wasn't wearing a mask. So I already knew the odds are we're kindred spirits. Within five minutes, I asked her her politics. She said Republican. This is female, Hispanic, uh, young. Love it. And, and goes, I'm a Republican. And I knew if... He, she had the same view I did of all the people coming on the plane uh, with a mask. Anyway, so we t- I talked about her family, and it was mentioned that her father, unfortunately, enables her brother. She has a younger brother, mid-20s. He does nothing, She and the father pays for his apartment. He won't take a job if he doesn't love it. This is the brother speaking, which is beyond belief to me. And so I mentioned on the air to take it full circle, uh, the way I was raised, I knew I wasn't going to get 10 cents from my father. (laughs) And this kid is 25 and the father's paying for his apartment. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) So you're asking about my generation of males, not as many males will, will, uh, will have their apartment paid for by a parent. In my generation, you didn't see that. I won't take a job if I don't love it. That's new. That's it right there. That story, that is what has happened. That is the rot. Right. I, no, I feel for young women today, actually. So uh, if you got a great guy, my friends, I don't want to embarrass Julie, <laughs> but uh, Julie's a catch, just for the record. By the way. I do want to end. I know that we're just going to end with that story, but I this is a little bit off topic, but I think you'll find it to be funny, and I hope our viewers will too. So I got an email on my website, which I'm going to say correctly, is julie-hartman.com. Thank you very much to whoever pointed that out to me. I got an email from this lovely woman. She says that she's an Iranian immigrant. Dennis, she actually, I think she said she met you this past weekend in Chicago or Wherever the hell you've been, you're always traveling. Oh, and yeah. No, I did I did meet an Iranian woman at, uh, in yes. Chicago. I recall her. Yeah, go on. And she told me that she has been listening to our podcast. Well, That's she right. To your yes, show, she loves Eastern. the podcast. Yes. yes. And she's been listening to them as she goes on her walks, her power walks up these hills in her neighborhood. And she said, thanks to Dennis and Julie, I've lost weight. So I just wanted to end with that. And yeah, say, why don't I? You know? <laughs> I can't believe it. It's not fair. I'm Dennis of Dennis and Julie, and I'm not losing weight. <laughs> I'm not either, but well, if you yes. guys need a workout buddy, or if your friends need workout buddies, we are two I, very Believe it or not, I remember meeting the woman. Uh, not surprisingly, given Iranian women, she was beautiful. I remember that. <laughs> And well, she is as lovely as she is beautiful. Yes, that, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad she wrote you. That's terrific. Well, Jules, it's always great. 
This is the Dennis and Julie podcast, and we strongly urge you to make others aware of it. Send it to them. Let them know. And you can write to Julie hyphen Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N. <laughs> and uh, see you next week, Julie. Yeah. You got time, you're on the man, babe. Everybody wants the same Everybody wants the same thing Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.